Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Kem and I broke camp after our first night in the Sierras and walked out onto the New Day's Trail through the swampland home of a cloud of mosquitoes so thick our bare arms were black and red with the slaughter. Even a black bear crossing our path could not really distract us from the madness of the bugs. I tried not to remember the story told of some well-intended visitor to Albert Schweitzer's remote clinic in Lamborghini, Africa, who swatted a mosquito from the good doctor's arm. The mosquito died. Dr. Schweitzer, who coined the term reverence for life, said, that was my mosquito. (laughs) Back in civilization, I went searching on the web for something short of long pants, long sleeves, and a head net that would prevent another massacre in the animal kingdom. I remembered that the summer I was 12 years old, I lived in a primitive outpost in the New Hampshire woods with a dozen other Girl Scout campers and mosquitoes to rival a jungle. We used something called old-time woodsman fly dope, poured it into our hands and slathered it on our bodies and soaked our neckerchiefs in it that kept us from being eaten alive. When we would hike down into the main camp to resupply, however, it also kept away human beings. (laughs) We really stank. I loved the smell, as one might come to long, perversely, for the taste of the bitter medicine that finally made the pain subside, an acquired taste that evokes the feeling of sheer relief. In my web search, on a whim, I typed in old-time woodsman, and up it popped. Human scent camo since 1882. There was a special on three two-one-ounce bottles. I didn't hesitate to press purchase. I knew the package had arrived even before I could see it. (laughs) Through the layers of cardboard and bubble wrap and the sealed plastic bottles themselves, I could smell it. I'm not kidding you, I almost swooned. The smell was absolutely divine. I tore open the box. Kem said, what stinks? (laughs) I breathed it in and remembered. I remembered cold, star-filled nights and the northern lights and drifting off to dream in the warm cocoon of my down sleeping bag. I remembered the long hike to the lake at dawn, its mirrored surface breaking under the prow of the canoe. I remembered passing a guitar around the campfire and learning chords to hundreds of songs and every last verse. I remembered intense friendship that have endured for nearly 40 years. Immediately, I boxed up one of the bottles and sent it to my tentmate, Nancy. 
Nancy and I love to laugh about our childhood exploits, and I know that she loves me. She'd do anything for me, but she is not sentimental. <laughs> Nonetheless, two days later, an email came in. Got the woodsman, she wrote. Took off the cap and left it open on the table. It smells just the same. Even the dogs won't come into the kitchen. <laughs> 10,000 memories. Felt happy all day. Thank you. I keep a bottle on my desk. Kem will never let me wear it, mosquitoes or not. But sometimes when I want to remember when I want to invoke, evoke those halcyon days or evoke something from a very deep place, I open it up and take a deep whiff. I brought it today. <laughs> I'll have it with me in line. <laughs> Ask if you dare. Alas, I sincerely doubt it will do for you what it does for me. <laughs> but surely you too have something that makes you remember, that strengthens you by reminding you of a time you were happy, peaceful, and free. What is that for you? If it's a photo, a stone or a shell, a piece of music or a book, whatever it is, I encourage you to have it at hand. Something to inspire and uplift, a touchstone to give you hope and courage for the journey. Something to nourish your resilience. I said it last week and I want to elaborate today. I am endlessly astonished and uplifted by the resilience of the human spirit. At first, as Pooh and Piglet stumped along the path which edged the hundred acre wood, they didn't say much to each other. But when they came to the stream and it helped each other across the stepping stones and were able to walk side by side again, they began to talk in a friendly way about this and that. And Piglet said, if you see what I mean, Pooh. And Pooh said, it's just what I think myself, Piglet. And Piglet said, but on the other hand, Pooh, we must remember. And Pooh said, quite true, Piglet, although I had forgotten it for a moment. Remembering is important to resilience. Remembering. Not the difficult days, but having survived the difficult days. Not the desperation, but the redemption. The first time I experienced this at a visceral level was during a Women Waging Peace colloquium as the Rwandan women, Hutus and Tutsis, spoke of surviving the 1994 genocide. When their stories became unbearable, when the air in the room was saturated with horror and sheer soul-searing grief, they would suddenly, unbidden, get to their feet and call out a dance. The entire room rose with them and began to sway together and then to move 
I can remember feeling so sick I wondered if I could stand, let alone dance. But it was that very physical response to hearing stories of trauma that the dance was meant to heal. These were not new dances. They were very old dances. They had danced before the war, before there were Hutus and Tutsis, when there was just one people living together in peace as they long to live again now. As they sang and we danced, a high sweet accompaniment, we danced till we laughed and could bear to sit and listen again. My friend Justine gave me a beautiful swath of fabric meant to tie around my waist to fashion into kind of a long skirt when I need to dance. Just seeing it, touching it, stroking it, invokes the presence of these heroic women in my life and their bravery and determination to live beyond surviving. Theirs is a dance of resilience. Resilience is the ability to adapt well to stress, adversity, trauma, or tragedy. It means that overall we remain stable and maintain healthy levels of psychological and physical functioning in the face of disruption or chaos. The Mayo Clinic has developed a resilience chart to determine your resilience quotient. You can fill it out online if you'd like. Looking for a strong yes, it asks questions about how easily you adapt to change, how in control you feel, how quickly you bounce back from adversity, how dependable and close your relationships are, how optimistic you are, how clearly you think under pressure, whether you're able to maintain a sense of humor, how self-confident you are, how you handle uncertainty, whether you know where to turn for help, and how much you enjoy challenges and taking the lead. The one question that points to a spiritual life asks whether or not you believe things happen for a reason. That's another sermon. But I suspect that whether or not we believe things happen for a reason, if we are determined to make something out of the wreckage and rise from the ashes after we've gone down in flames, that's resilience. Also, knowing where to turn for help isn't enough. True resilience comes with growing strong enough to ask for help. And I'm talking here about spiritual resilience, the capacity not merely to go forward, but to go forward with spirit, to laugh even as we bear our grief, to forgive even in the wake of betrayal, to love even if our hearts have been broken. The Mayo Clinic suggests we exercise our resilience muscles by connecting in community, remembering to laugh, learning from experience, cultivating optimism, taking care of ourselves, 
being flexible and accepting change, learning new things, taking action and working towards goals, keeping perspective and letting go. If you struggle with these skills, you are not alone. Take heart. They can be learned. We can learn them from one another. Here's a great piece on spiritual resilience written by Andrew Agaki, who's a UU and a Zen Buddhist practitioner from Milwaukee. Early in the morning, the day before last Thanksgiving, he writes, I involuntarily started to fall. Very slowly, a strange pulling on my right side as if I had wanted to. Forcing myself up, I wondered if I were just tired. No bother, I was soon fine. Then in the afternoon, I was getting into the car with my youngest son. The right side of my tongue tingled as if it, I had just left the dentist. I couldn't reach the buckle for my seatbelt, and I couldn't remember how it worked. When I spoke to my son, it took a bit of concentration to find the words and more to say them. Curious, I thought. In about 15 minutes, this too went away. In the evening, my family and I went out for dinner. It happened again. I concentrated very hard on forming the words that I would say to my wife, calm, but telling her nonetheless that I thought I was having a stroke. I was in the hospital for three days, he continues, and found in the end, contrary to the seriousness of the TIAs, the transient ischemic attacks, nothing out of the ordinary. No damage on the brain scan, the echocardiogram and ultrasound of my carotids were perfectly clear, my cholesterol not quite up to borderline, and no after effects. Currently, my only prescribed treatment one aspirin per day. Two weeks later, I still have no sense of urgency or worry about it. Nothing to point to, nothing to grasp. If I had had something show up on the tests in the hospital, then there would be a thing I could point to and say, that's it, that's my answer. But it never seems to be like that with me. It would be too easy though easy I wouldn't mind once in a while. No, I don't suppose I want easy answers when all is said and done. I would rather be mildly uncomfortable with the thought that I don't have the answer than trust in someone else's words, someone else's answer. Something to grasp, something to hold on to. Nice for the moment, but transient. Andrew Agaki concludes, tomorrow's another day, if it comes. This, too, is resilience, marked by equanimity, love of life, balanced with an acceptance of life's limits, including the final limit. Poet Mary Oliver writes, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. At the Arlington Street Zen Center, we close the final seated meditation of the evening with what are called the metaphrases. 
Metta is the Pali word for loving kindness. These phrases are an affirmation of care for ourselves, for one another, and for the whole world. They have been variously translated and iterated. Most commonly one hears, may all beings be peaceful, may all beings be happy, may all beings be free. If you come to the meditation retreat this afternoon, and I hope you will, you'll learn the direct translation from the Pali, the very words the Buddha spoke, passed down over the past 2,500 years. Years ago, a Tibetan nun was interviewed after a long imprisonment by the Chinese government. A reporter asked her how, in particular, she had survived the years in solitary confinement. She replied, I knew that at every moment, somewhere in the world, someone was saying metta for me. Shaken awake, I began to practice saying metta in earnest. It has become a habit that has comforted me, steadied me, and helped me to stay just this side of hopeful when I felt all but utterly empty-handed. It has become a habit, in other words, that supports my resilience, as I hope it supports the resilience of those whom I hold in its universal embrace. May I, may you, may he, may she be happy, peaceful, and free. May we, may you, may they, may all beings be happy, peaceful, and free. My spiritual companions, let us avail ourselves of the tools of resilience. May memory serve you as a reference point for joy. Let everything, everything, be grist for the mill. May we walk one another through the worst of it and the best of it. And may we dance. Here's a beautiful poem to go on, Rainer Maria Rilke's All Will Come Again. All will come again into its strength. The fields undivided, the waters undammed, the trees towering and the walls built low. And in the valleys, people as strong and varied as the land and no churches where God is imprisoned and lamented like a trapped and wounded animal. The houses welcome all who knock and a sense of boundless offering in all relations, in you and in me. No yearning for an afterlife, no looking beyond, no belittling of death, but only longing for what belongs to us and serving earth, lest we remain unused. May you, may we, may all beings be happy, peaceful, and free. Amen.